This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Good to see all of you this morning. So glad that you are with us here. Uh, Would you help me in welcoming all those that are watching online with us this morning, New Song Church? Come on, let them know you're glad that they're with us. Also, all of you guys out there in Overflow, we see you, we love you, we appreciate you. Thank you for being with us today. Days like today, I'm just reminded, I get to do this. Isn't that awesome? This is what we get to do. We get to be a part of a life-giving church. And uh, man, we're starting a brand new year and we're excited. And if you're new to New Song Church, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad that you've uh, decided to come and to spend some time with us. And uh, a little bit about us, so you know, we are a church that loves Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. We love Jesus and, and he loved us so greatly and did so much for us that we just believe that uh, we're called to surrender our life completely to his ways and to chase after him with everything we've got and, and not to just live and occupy space until someday we get to go to heaven, but to actually uh, occupy the space that we exist in on this earth with heaven, to bring his will into the ways of this world. And so if that's something that sounds kind of interesting to you, uh, hey, welcome. And my encouragement is for you to spend some time with us, to not just come today, but to, uh, to commit to be here over the next several weeks and, uh, and to commit to jump into some of the stuff that's going on here. We've got a lot going on uh, as we jump into this brand new year. Um, we're starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. That starts tomorrow. And, and the point of that is, is not that we would do some stuff to try to get God to love us more. Because so you know, uh, that's not how it is. God loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. His love for you doesn't change based on your performance. Uh, really, it's about us positioning our hearts so that we can grow in our knowledge of him and that we can come to love him in a greater way and recognize the greatness of who he is. And so we're asking people to, to fast. We're asking you to look at, at, at how you, you spend your time with food and to consider laying some stuff down so that there's this hunger within you for spiritual things. And we're also asking you to maybe disconnect from some of the regular things that you've been, you've been going through. You know, it's a new year, and a lot of times we enter a new year, and it's like a great opportunity to kind of hit the reset button. And uh, we kind of drift into, at the, at the end of the year, there's some stuff that we look at in our life, and I think we can all say, man, I, I need to change some stuff. So let's just start off the year changing some stuff. Let's just make a decision to go after God, reset some stuff in our life, and, and just see what He can do. Uh, tonight, we start our Blocks Conference. Yeah, going to be really good. If you're registered, make sure you're here. And and my encouragement to you is make sure you're here uh, for all three nights. We've had some people that are kind of like, what's blocks all about? Well, blocks stands for the starting blocks. And and what we want to do is as we enter into a new year, we want to help kind of, you know, before you're in a race, if you're in a race like where there's starting blocks, you get set in those starting blocks so that you can take off well. And that's kind of how we're looking at this year. We, and we do this every year. We want to, we want to get set right get our minds right, get our hearts right, get, get set, get in the proper position uh, because God's called us to run a race and we want to run that race well to win. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And so tonight uh, we're going to come together. We're going to have extended time of worship, extended time of prayer. Uh, we've got some great messages over the next three days. Pa- uh, Corey Russell is going to be with us, which is awesome. If you don't know him, get ready. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Pastor Sarah is going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching. I don't know exactly what they're doing. They typically bring it, though. If you know Sarah and you know Corey, they, they're going to bring it. And I can just tell you this. I'm going to bring it as well, guys. God, God's been laying some stuff on my heart. And I'm telling you, like, I'm going, to, I'm going to, it's going to be good. So make sure you're here. Come expecting. I believe that God's going to do some work, right? Like, here, here's, part of the heart of this church has always been this idea of we want to set the table for the guest of honor, that we, you know, we, we want you here. We're glad that you're here. But more than anything, we want Jesus here. And by the way, he's here this morning. I hope you know that. And he wants to speak to you and minister to you. Because when he shows up, things change. He can do a work in your life that we cannot do. Uh, so we want to set the table for him. And that's, that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're, we've already done today. That's what we're doing tonight. And we believe he's going to show up and he's going to do the kind of stuff that only he can do. I'm expecting people to be healed. I'm expecting people to be set free. I'm expecting you're going to get some fresh vision for your life for this year. I'm expecting some marriages to start to be reunited. I'm, I'm expecting God to show up. Are you expecting that? Yeah. So come expecting tonight. Come ready 
to, uh, to kindle the fire and, and, and let it flame. So it's going to be really good. Uh, we've got 21 days. We've got a blocks conference. What else? We've got new Being Transformed journals. If you haven't picked those up, I think we're, we're out of those, but, but we'll take orders for you to be able to get your, your next ones. We've got opportunities. Classes are starting up. Uh, there's going to be opportunities throughout this year for you to give, for you to donate, for you to serve, for you to go on mission trips. There's all this stuff going to be happening this year. And my encouragement to you is, like, let's go. Like, let's just, let's just dive in. If you want to have a year like never before, then it starts by choosing to make this year a year like never before. To, to chase after God like never before. And I can guarantee you this. Look at the person beside you and say, he's guaranteeing it. I guarantee you this. If you will chase after Jesus... Like never before, you will end this year, looking back on this year, going, that was a year like I've never experienced before. Marriages are going to be restored. Lives are going to be changed. Uh, vision is going to be imparted. Like it's going to be an incredible 2024. If you believe that, say amen. 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 All right. If you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter one. We're going to start in Genesis chapter one. Get your being transformed journals out. Follow along with me. Get your new song app out. Follow along with me. My notes, some of my notes are in the new song app. And let me just tell you, um, I'm going to throw a lot at you today. Like, this is not, it, well, I'll say this. This is not going to be like your typical 12 points to a better 2024 kind of message. And yet it is. It's just not packaged that way. But we're going to dig into to some kind of deeper deeper things. I'm, we're going to go back and look at some of the original intent uh, uh, and, and first mention of what God was doing in the beginning to discover what God wants to do in our lives today. We're beginning a series today called Fill the Earth. Somebody say, Fill the Earth. Fill the Earth. And the, the heart behind this series is understanding the mission of God and our role in that mission. Now, from the very beginning of creation, God has always had a vision and a mission for this world. And, and there's always been a part that humanity played in the mission that God wanted to bring about in this world. Genesis 1, verse 28, God's talking here. He's setting everything in place. He's, he's talking to mankind, his creation. Verse 28, he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Some translations say, be fruitful and multiply. Maybe that's how you know it. Be fruitful and increase in number. Now say these next, uh, these next three words with me. Fill the earth. Say it again like you mean it. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created this, this world and when he did, he created it for a purpose. He didn't just create it to kind of be this like heavenly science experiment. He had a purpose. He had a vision. He had a mission and when he created this world, he set us in, in this world with a part to play within that mission. And our part is to fill the earth. You say, well, fill the earth with what? Here's what we're filling the earth with. God's glory. What is God's glory? It's God's image. We are image bearers of, of God. It's God's presence. We are presence carriers of God. It's God's, you know, when God was creating in the, in the Garden of Eden, he keeps creating stuff and he says, it is good. It is good. In the Garden of Eden, what he created was, was good. And, and he wanted us to fill the earth with his, it is good. This was the intention of God from the beginning. I, I don't think some people understand sometimes that when God created Eden in, in the very beginning, the whole earth wasn't Eden. When I, when I was a kid, I used to kind of think that like the whole earth was just this you know, this heaven on earth place. It was in this Edenic state where everything was perfect, but, but that's not the case. Eden was a specific space on the earth. We know this because the Bible makes it clear that there were boundaries to Eden. And we also know this because after Adam and Eve sin, they are cast out of Eden. They are exiled from Eden. And they can't be exiled from Eden. They can't be cast out of Eden if the whole world is Eden. That would mean God would have to cast them to another planet. And that's not what he does. So, so Eden was a specific space. There were boundaries to Eden. And after the fall, after Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of it. And what God wanted his intention from the beginning was that, was that man would live in this created space that he made for them. And that connected to him, they would begin to expand the boundaries of Eden into the rest of the world that they would begin to fill the earth with his glory, that they would begin to fill the earth with his it is good image. But we all know the story, like things didn't work out so well, did they? It didn't take long until Adam and Eve sinned. They messed up stuff and they were cast out of Eden and Eden was lost. And because Eden was lost, there became this longing in every human heart. Somebody say longing. longing. 
There's a longing in every one of us, whether we recognize it or not, there's a longing within us for what was lost in Eden. J.R.R. Tolkien, talking about this, says this, uh, certainly there was an Eden on this very unhappy earth. So he's speaking to what? What was in Eden versus what is, what currently exists in this unhappy earth that we find ourselves living in today. We all long for it, and we all do, whether you recognize it or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're new to the things of God, there's this longing in every human heart for what was lost in Eden. There's something inside of us that says, "This this is not how it should be. And he says, we are constantly glimpsing it. Our whole nature at its best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most humane is still soaked with a sense of exile. In other words, like we live in this world and within us, there's this, we, we get these glimpses from time to time. We see things that, that remind us of, of something greater, but it's never quite fulfilled because, it, 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 because what was in Eden was lost. And, and so there's this, there's this hunger within us. There's this longing within us in every human heart. And our hearts are frustrated because within, deep within us, and we all, I, I think we all relate to this, deep within us, there's this, there's this sense of like, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not the best. This is not how this world should be. Tim Keller says this about this idea. He says, we're all exiles from Eden. Our hearts ache for a place we've never known. And the ache points us to our true home with God. There's this longing within every one of us, within every one of our hearts for Eden, what was lost in the garden originally. Now, now I've got some good news for you. What was lost will be restored. What we lost in Eden. There, there's coming a day when, when, when that heaven on earth will be fully realized for every one of us. Uh, John, writing in the book of, of Revelations, the last book of the Bible, in chapters 21 and 22, uh, speaking of the revelation that God was giving him, this vision God was giving him of what the earth would look like during the end times, and then what the new heaven and the new earth would look like, he says this. I'm going to read you a lot of text. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Yeah. Revelation 21, verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down. Notice, notice the language here. You're going, to see some, you're going to see some parallels. You're going to see some stuff over and over again throughout this, this message today. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Look at this. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. How many of you are looking forward to the day when that happens? We're, we're not living into that right now. There's still death that exists in this world. There's still problems in this world. We, we haven't quite realized this yet. But there will be a day that we step back into this. It goes on to say this in, in, in chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Notice this river as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb flowing from God's presence. There's this flow down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood, stood the tree of life. That's an Eden, right? That's an Eden, right? Okay, you're with me bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Notice that this, there's this flow, and from this is the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. You know, there's still a curse on this world. Even though Jesus has come and he's made a way so that we can step out from underneath that curse, existing in this world is still a curse. And we can still exist under that curse, even as Christians, if we don't choose to follow after God's ways. But someday that curse will no longer exist. The throne of God and of the Lamb of God will be the city and the servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. We're going to get a tattoo in heaven. Mike Tyson style, right? <laughs> there will be no more night. They, they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Somebody say amen. amen. There is an Eden to come and we look forward to that that wonderful day when our Savior returns and, and brings us into this state. But between these two Edens, the Eden in the beginning and the Eden at the end of, of Scripture, exists this space that we find ourselves in today. 
We find our, our, ourselves today between the Edens. And, and in this space, God still, the mission that he had in the beginning is still the mission that he calls us to today. The mission is to fill the earth, to fill the earth with his glory, to fill the earth with his image, as his image bearers, to bring about his ways and his will, that there would be a, a life-giving flow that, that, that is ushered out of our life that goes into this world and extends the boundaries of God's kingdom in this world until the whole earth is filled with God's glory and becomes a resting place for the presence of God. We're here today to fill this space between the Edens, listen, with Eden. That's what we're here for. Or as Jesus put it, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our assignment is to bring heaven to earth, to bring Eden to the space between the Edens. So how do we do that? Well, that's kind of what we want to unpack over the next several weeks in this series is what that looks like. And to do so, we're going to look at a lot of stuff. We're going to look at types and shadows from the Old Testament. We're going to look at stories and characters from the Bible. But today, as we, as we kick this off, I want to go back to Eden. I want to look at Eden with fresh eyes. And specifically, I want to look at not only Eden, but I want to, I want to go back to the Old Testament and look at the Old Testament sanctuaries of God and, and, and relate to some of what God was doing in the sanctuaries. And in Eden helps us to have a greater understanding of what he's calling us to today. When we understand what Eden was supposed to do and what Adam and Eve and humanity was supposed to do in Eden, it gives us a greater revelation how we bring uh, about God's fill the earth call in our life today. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time we have with you. And God, we say uh, that we want this whole earth to be a resting place for your presence. And right now we ask that your presence would rest in this moment with every person. Lord, that this would not be a moment where we have an encounter with another church or another communicator or, or, or just whatever, Lord, but this would be a moment of divine encounter where you would come and you would speak to your people. Lord, that's what we want. We want you, God. We need you. In fact, just right there at your seat, just say under your breath to yourself or to the Lord, say, God, I want you. Lord, we want you. And we ask that you would speak to every individual heart in this place. We believe that one word from Jesus can change everything. And I pray that every person in this room would have a one word encounter with you, that they would walk out of this place different than how they came into this place. In Jesus name, amen. All right, so let's go back to Eden and let's go back to the sanctuaries that God established. If you were a Hebrew person in Bible times, reading about uh, the Genesis account of creation, as you would read that, there would be some stuff that would just jump off the page at you. And it would jump off the page at you basically because there was this, this place called the sanctuary of God. And there was all these parallels between the sanctuary of God and what was happening in Eden. Now the sanctuary was in the Old Testament was two different places. The first place was the tabernacle. It was a tent. And the other place was a temple. And in these two places, it's where God would meet with his people. It's where the presence of God would dwell among his people. And if you were a Hebrew person reading Genesis, you would see symbolism and parallels related to the sanctuaries and what God was doing in Eden. For example, uh, when you would look at the, the temple uh, or the, the sanctuaries, the tabernacle, it was, it was set up in a three-part structure. All right, guys, throw that slide up there for me. It was made up of three parts. There was the courtyard, there was the holy place, and there was the most holy place. And the further you went into where the presence of God was in the holy place, the more, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it was exclusive, right? In fact, there was only one person that could go into most holy place once a year, and that was uh, the high priest. Not everybody could go into the presence of God. But the, the, so this was the structure. Now, when you would read the, the Genesis account, you would notice something. It was set up in a three-part structure as well. There was uh, the outside land of Eden. That was, that was the whole, uh, what Eden was comprised of completely. Within that, the Bible makes it clear that God planted a garden. And within that, God planted a tree of life. And so what you would see is that Eden was designed to be the original sanctuary. 
And we see this in scripture that it was in Eden that God would meet with humanity. He would meet with Adam and Eve and they would have, they would, they would walk with him in the cool of the day. It was the place where God and his people would meet and have communion together. Beyond that, uh, another parallel we see in how work, it was in how work was carried out in the temple, in the tabernacle, in the sanctuaries. In the, in the sanctuaries, there were people called priests, and they were the ones that did the work of the sanctuary. They were the ones that uh, offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. They cared for the temple and the, and the tabernacle. They were the ones that announced God's blessing over the people. They, they functioned this way. They, they represented God to the people, and they represented the people to God. Think of them like a gateway. They were this connection where heaven and earth met through people where people through this person could meet with God and God could meet with people. So go to the Genesis account, Genesis 2, verse 15. The Bible says, The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The word work and keep are Hebrew words. And when you study them, they actually, every other time they're used in Scripture, it's those words are used to relate to the work that the priests would do in the temple. For example, Numbers 3, verse 7. You with me? I know I'm throwing a lot at you. Stay with me. It's all going to make sense. I promise you. Uh, Numbers 3, verse 7 says, They shall keep guard over him and over the whole congregation. This is talking about the priests. Before the tent of meeting, that's the sanctuary, they minister at the tabernacle. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting and keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. Those words, guard and keep guard, are the same words used in the creation story to describe the work that Adam and Eve are to do in the beginning. So Adam and Eve, follow me so far. Adam and Eve are set in this, this place, this three-part structure that's very similar to the sanctuaries of God. And within that three-part structure, they're given an assignment similar to the assignment that the priests are given in the sanctuaries of God. Now, by the way, I'm skimming the surface of some stuff here. If you want to study this further, uh, I'd encourage you to do it. There's all sorts of incredible parallels between the sanctuaries of God and what was going on in Eden. I can't simply get into all that stuff because we just don't have time. But one more I want to dig into has to do with image. Typically in a, in a temple, in a tabernacle, not a, not a Hebrew tabernacle or temple, but typically in a tabernacle or temple in Bible times, there would be an idol in it. A man-made idol would be placed within that, that temple. And this is still true to this day. If you go into non-Hebrew temples, if you go into a Buddhist temple or a Hindu temple, you're going to find a man-made image of that God. It represents the God that the people are worshiping within that, that temple. And what people believe is that the presence of the God comes to live within that idol. They don't, they're not really worshiping the idol as much as they're worshiping the God that they believe comes to make himself real and manifest within that idol. So this is true for most, most temples, but it wasn't true for the Hebrew temple. In fact, God made it, went out of his way to say, do not put any man-made image inside of my temple. Why? Here's why. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, uh, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, all the, all the creatures that move along the ground. That's called dominion, my friends. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his image, in the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. So get this. When God creates his sanctuary in the Garden of Eden, he created humanity to be in his image in his sanctuary. He said, don't, don't put an idol in there because I've already put my image in there. I've already put an image I'm going to indwell in, in, in there. He didn't create an idol of, of wood or stone or gold and place it in there. He didn't create some lifeless thing. He put humanity. In fact, uh, Adam and Eve, that's what their names mean. Adam and Eve means human and life. Humanity was, was placed in his sanctuary to represent his image within his sanctuary. Living beings made in his image in his holy place to represent him. So Adam and Eve are God's image. They're, and, and, and as God's image, given this assignment to work as priests unto the Lord, worshiping him in this type of heaven on earth temple called Eden. They represent creation before God and they represent God to creation. 
And they're called to, to live in this, sac- this sacred place that is saturated with the presence of God. And from that place, they're called, to f- they're called to fill the earth. They're called to begin to bring those ways and extend the boundaries of that place into the rest of the earth. It's interesting when you study uh, Eden, you, you discover as you move through the rest of scripture, you discover this, this idea. I, I didn't know this for years, but actually Eden, did you know it was on a mountain? Eden was on a mountain. And, and it makes sense when you, when you know the rest of Scripture because uh, Scripture makes it clear that on mountains typically is where it's kind of, they represent this place where heaven and earth meet. And that was what Eden was supposed to be, this, this sanctuary, this place where heaven and earth are, are meeting. Eden was on a mountain. Let me, let me give you one reference to this. Ezekiel 28, verse 13 and 14, talking about Lucifer, talking about Satan, the fallen angel, says, you were in Eden. Satan, you were in Eden, the garden of God, right? You were the anointed guardian cherub. I placed you, now look at this, you were on the holy mountain of God. Eden was on a mountain. Now here's why this is important. Because it's, it's typically from mountains where headwaters flow. If you know anything about rivers, rivers typically flow from from headwaters. And what God intended is that there would be this flow, this natural uh, flow that already has a momentum to it that is flowing out of Eden into the rest of the world, bringing nourishment to the rest of the world. Genesis 2 verse 10 says, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it was divided and became four rivers. So, so again, there's this concept of this, this place where from the presence of God, there's this flow and it's a natural flow that is moving and bringing life and bringing healing and, and bringing God's ways. God's, it is good into the rest of the world. The Bible talks about this tie in even more in uh, Psalms 36 verse eight says this, they feast on the abundance of your house. So this is, this is talking about the sanctuary, the temple. This is the place where the presence of God rests. You still with me, church? Yes. He says this, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. That word delights is, is literally the word Eden. This idea that there's this, this flow from the presence of God. And it's this, it's this Eden that's, being, that's, that's flowing into the rest of the world. Ezekiel 47 says this, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. And by the way, so did the garden of Eden. It faced to the east. The water was flowing down. Okay, so so notice the water is flowing down. There's this natural flow coming out of the temple, coming out of the place where the presence of God lives. Look at what it says in verse 12. And on the banks of both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. So, so notice, whatever is close to where the river is flowing, whatever's touching and getting close to where that river is flowing, there's, there's flourishing taking place. That, that this flow from the presence of God, as it goes into the rest of the world, as it goes in, it begins to bring about God's, God's, God's flourishing power into the rest of the world. There's life coming out of it. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows. Notice this, from the sanctuary, from the place where the presence of God is living. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So from the presence of God in the sanctuary, there is this life-giving flow that is nourishing humanity, giving fruit, creating fruit, and, and, and creating fruitfulness in the rest of the world. So I know I'm throwing a lot at you, and some of you are looking at me like right now, like, where are we going with this? Okay, here's where we're going with this. Here's what you see. Eden was designed originally to be this perfect place of fruitfulness where God could be with his people, where, where the God who loves his children could be with his children. And from this elevated place, there would be an assignment and there would be a natural flow. The assignment would be to fill the earth and the flow from the top would come down into the world. And out of this, the boundaries of God's it is good creation would be extended into the rest of the world. That God, from this flow, that life would begin to be produced outside of where it existed. That everywhere they would go, they would, they would from this place of authority that God has given them, they would be able to change the, the, the atmosphere and bring about God's life everywhere they would go. Now, we know what happens in the story. It doesn't take long, and they, they fall, right? They, they buy into the deception of the enemy. 
they believe a lie. They begin to, instead of making God God, they choose to kind of chase after this idea of they themselves being God and they're exiled from Eden. And, and, and so God comes along and he does something with the sanctuaries. He, he makes it possible so that people can still have a connection with the presence of God, but it, it's, not, it's, it's simply not good enough because only a few people can do it. And so while they can have the presence, it's, it's not how God would, would, would have it be. So ultimately, God has a better plan. Enter Jesus Christ. Jesus comes into this earth. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, he comes and he dies on the cross for our sins. And from this place, he establishes a new sanctuary. An Eden between the Eden is established. And when he establishes his new sanctuary, he doesn't put it in a garden. He doesn't put it in a, in a tent. He doesn't put it in a tabernacle. The, he puts it inside his image. Acts 17 says this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and the earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Listen, God don't roll that way anymore. There's a new, there's a new way. When God established his new tabernacle, when he established the place where his presence would dwell, he established it in us. It's in you. Look at the person beside you and say, he's in you. First Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? In John 14, Jesus says this, you know him. He's talking about the spirit of God for he dwells with you and will be in you. Listen, church, now we as the people of God, we as the, the, the family of God, the church, we are the temple of God. The presence of God in us, we are the temple. And we're called from this place of Eden within to be the priests of God, to chase after, to follow in the example of our high priest and do the work that he's called us to. You know, Jesus was our high priest. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest... Who is it? The one who ascended to heaven, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. You know what, you know what a high priest would do in the sanctuary is they would go into the sanctuary and they would take the lamb that had been slain for the sins and they would take the blood of that lamb and they would present it before the altar of God for the sins, for atonement for them. And it wasn't perfect. What does Jesus do? He becomes the great high priest and he takes his very own body. He becomes the spotless lamb sacrificed for our sins. He dies on the cross and then he goes to heaven and he presents his blood before the father at the altar. And he says, because of this, we can be made atonement for. We can be forgiven. We can be made whole. And now because of our great high priest, we are called to the work of a priest. We are called to fulfill his assignment in this, in this earth. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Revelation 1, verse 6, he made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father. We are royal priests and we now have the priestly duty of representing God to the world and the world to God. We're people called to go into this world and present the it is good ways of God and to bring about this life-giving flow, this river that flows from within us into this world to bring about the boundaries of God's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. Dallas Willard says, God's desire is not merely for a personal piety. It's not just about you, but for a people who live in such a way that his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to fill the earth. We're called to fill every aspect of life with the reality of his reign. And I got good news for you. We do this. This is not an uphill battle. We do this from a high place. Just like Eden was on a mountain. Guess what? We are on a mountain. We have been seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians two says this, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. If you made Jesus the Lord, you're united with him. Colossians 3, 1 says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Christ is above, right? Yeah. Seated at the right hand of God. We are seated at Christ on high above the things of this earth in a position of authority, in a position of dominion. And from that elevated place, God desires that there would be a flow that is that is coming out of us into the world to shape this world, to bring refreshment and life into this world. Jesus said this in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Are you getting it, church? 
As the people of God, we are now a living place where heaven and earth meet, where the ways of God through, through the life can infiltrate the ways of the world and bring about God's glory, God's it is good into the reality of this world. From our high place, we're called to be carriers of this great message. We're called to be carriers of this it is good message of the creation that God originally intended to bring Eden into this world, to bear fruit for this world, to release a flow into this world, a flow of God's healing, a flow of God's mercy, a flow of God's grace, a flow of God's goodness into this world. We're called to be these people. N.T. Wright says God's ultimate plan involves the restoration of creation akin to the Garden of Eden. Through Christ's redemptive work, we are invited to participate in the renewal of all things. Somebody say all things bringing about a new Eden where God's shalom, his peace reigns. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, on earth. We're not just here to like take up space and survive until we get to escape. We're not here to just live in the bad and, and, and hopefully deal with it enough until someday we can get away from the bad. No, we're here to bring God's good into the bad. God's it is good into the bad of this world. R.C. Sproul says God's purpose is to reclaim and restore his creation, transforming it into a new Eden. Through the work of Christ, believers are called to participate in this cosmic renewal, anticipating the day when God's kingdom will be fully realized. Someday, church, Revelation 21 and 22 will be realized. Someday, Jesus is coming back. Someday, we will step back into what God originally had in store for us all along. Someday, that's coming, but right now, we're between the Edens. And what God has called us to do between the Edens is to be the Eden. To bring about his heaven on earth life into this world. To touch this world with the flow of the presence of God. And, and that flow brings about life and flourishing and change to a world that is dying. A world that is dying in a desert wasteland. So how, how, do, we, how do we do this? How do we fill this space between the Edens? Well, if you're going to do it, you're going to have to fill yourself. Like if you're going to, if you are going to be a person through which God can do this work of filling the earth, there's got to be some filling taking place with you. And so three things, three points I want to give you this morning that we need to start with, I think, as we jump into this year is number one is you're going to have to stay filled with God's word. You, you cannot expect there to be a flow that is coming out of your life that is producing life if there's not a flow of life coming into you. You, you follow me, church? Like if, if there's no life going into you, there's no life that's going to be able to come out of you. And, and you need to understand God's word is life. The word of God is this river of life that we, we need to daily drink deep of. There, our, our thirsty soul, our thirsty heart, we need to drink of the word of God. The word of God is refreshing. It is life to us. Isaiah 55 says it this way. The prophet Isaiah, he's speaking here on behalf of God. So he's prophesying, meaning that what he's saying here, this is what God is saying. He says, as the rain and the snow, what, what are those things? It's water, right? Come down. Notice there it is again. Come down from heaven. And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, producing life, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Check this out. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. When God gave the word to all of the different authors who took it and put it together in the canon of scripture we have today, it was a spoken word into them. And it's life. And it's, it's refreshing and it's water and it, and it cannot be exhausted. And, and church, if we're going to fill the earth with the flow of God's life, we have to have the flow of God's word going into our heart on a daily basis. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon's my dude. I love Spurge. Says this, the Bible is like a well of living water. It satisfies the thirsty soul. And the deeper you dig, the more abundant and refreshing it becomes. Uh, this is my favorite part. The Bible is deep and the wisest philosopher can never exhaust it. Here, the elephant may swim and the lamb may wade and both may, have e may be equally at home. Isn't that good? Spurge. 
but none shall, but none shall ever cross this ocean or find a shore or dare a launch into the infinite and bottomless sea of divine wisdom. Guys, there's so much in the word for you. So much in the word for you. If you want to have a year like never before, you got to get into the word like never before. If you want to fill the earth, you got to have a, fle- a fresh flow. I, I said, I did that in last service too. Not a flesh flow. You don't want that. We want to put that down. No flesh flow. Fresh flow of the word of God coming into your life on a daily basis. We got to get into the word. Here's the second thing. If you're going to fill the earth, you got to stay fully immersed in the presence of God. G.K. Beale says, a heart for mission grows out of a soul that finds satisfaction in God's presence, the riches of which can be seen in the imagery of Eden. Since the river of life flows from God's presence into the lands of nations, so our mission to the nations must flow from the life found in God's presence. When we're in the presence of God, understand this about the presence of God. The presence of God is not just for your goosebumps and... And butterflies. It's not just so like we've been having a bad week. I need to get in the presence of God so he'll make me feel better about myself. That's not the purpose. Like God, yes, God can can do those things for you and that's great. But more than that, the presence of God is an empowering place of authority where we connect with the, the God of all power and life and And we connect with his life. And from that place, we can bring his life into the world, into our world and into the rest of the world. The Bible says that, that in the presence of God is, is fullness of joy. And, it, and the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The strength you need for the work God's called you to, the assignment he's called you to, is found by being in the presence of God. Smith Wigglesworth says it like this, there's no limit to what God can do through a person who's fully consecrated and willing to be in his presence. Your assignment becomes a conduit for his power through his presence. In other words, there's this way that the flow of God can begin to move into the rest of the world when you're abiding in the presence of God. Ian Bounds says that the the power to fulfill your assignment comes from time spent in the secret place, in the presence of God. It's where weakness is turned into strength. My encouragement for you this year, as you jump into this year, is you need to chase after the presence of God. And don't settle for a once a week fill up following of Christ. Like you gas up at church and then you just kind of coast through the rest of the week on fumes until you putter back in for the next weekend. Like God wants to be you abiding in his presence. And beyond that, like when I say that, I'm not just talking about having a quiet time in the morning and that be the end of it. I'm talking about moving beyond just daily abiding to moment to moment living in the presence of God, chasing after it daily throughout each and every moment, looking for opportunities to invite God's presence back into your life, to invite his wisdom and his counsel, to, to, to create secret places all over the place, everywhere you go. We got to abide in the presence. If you want to be a person who's filling the earth, fulfilling the assignment God gave you to fulfill, you got to stay immersed in the presence of God. And here's number three. If you're going to fill the earth, you got to guard against garbage. You got to guard against garbage. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. Your heart being the seat of, of your emotions, the seat of your appetites, the seat of your feelings, the seat that's like this, it's like the center point of you. Guard your heart for everything you do. Look at this. Everything you do flows from it. So, so obviously you need to have the word going in. And you need to be abiding in the presence, but you also need to be guarding against things that may be like, you know, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. Like if you're meditating on garbage and allowing garbage into your life, and and here's how God's been kind of putting it to me lately, is it's more than just like outright, like terrible sin. It's, it's, It's kind of putting myself in this position of going, if Jesus walked in the room right now, would I feel like I need to stop what I'm doing? that'll mess with you right there. And it should, it should. Uh, Tim Keller says this, the heart is like a factory constantly producing what it is filled with, guarded against contamination and it will produce the beauty of God's glory. And that's what we're here to do, right? Fill the earth with God's glory. But, but you know what? It's interesting. The opposite of glory, you know what it is? It's shame. And, and very often we're, we're, we're living in stuff that's shameful and participating in things that are shameful and, and, 
and yes, they're sinful, but, and we're just allowing this stuff in and it's, it's, it's contaminating us, guys. And it's keeping us from our assignment. It's keeping us from our purpose. The one that, the, the purpose that Jesus Christ died to make possible for us. It's a thirsty world out there, church. And we've got the drink. We, we, we got to take this more seriously than I think we are. Amen. So in the beginning, God creates this garden. And it's a place he creates for his people, for his children. He loves them and he wants to give them this amazing place. And it's a place where he can come and he can, he can abide with them and be with them. And from that place of connection to him in his presence, there's this flow that can move into the rest of the earth to bring about his ways, his kingdom, to extend the boundaries of his it is good. Today we find ourselves between the Edens. And here's what we're called to do. Be the Eden. We're called to be the Eden. You are the gateway. You are where heaven and earth meet today in this earth. God's called you to be a place of encounter for the world where they can encounter what heaven can look like in a life, where they can see the goodness of God, where they can see what Eden, they can get that glimpse that they so desperately long for. They can see it in your life and they can begin to chase after the one that we found who is holy and worthy of the entirety of our life. Be the Eden in the Eden. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we're so, so grateful for what you've done for us. So grateful for the work that you did and the better covenant that we can step into because of the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for being our great high priest. Thank you for being the spotless lamb who made a way so that we could step into forgiveness, that we could be atoned for, so we could have relationship with God, so we could step back into, even on this earth, the reality of what you wanted from the beginning. Lord, we're so grateful for that. Thank you for being such a good God, such a loving, loving God, loving Father. We're so grateful for your love. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone in this room today that needs an encounter with you, needs a change with you, Lord, that you would begin to, to draw them by conviction to what it is you want to do in their life today. Lord, we choose right now to, to not disconnect from this moment, but to, to recognize what you want to do in this moment. You want to speak to your people. You want to heal people. You want to set people free. And so, Lord, help us stay present in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And as I was praying over this message and praying over this moment within the service and what God might, might do, I, I really felt strong uh, to, related to two ideas, that there's, there's some of you in here today and you don't know God like you should know God and you feel a distance between you and the Lord. And the, the sad thing is like God you're, you're living in that dry land you're living with a thirsty soul and God wants to he wants to heal you and wants to help you and wants to provide life for you and if that's you and you don't know the Lord it's, it's today's the day of salvation today's the day to surrender today's the day to, to commit to what God is wanting to do in your life if that's you don't, don't leave today not knowing God like you should the other the other major thing God placed on my heart was this hunger for the word and this revelation I believe God wants to give you for his word you know the, 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 the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit of God and, the, and Jesus made it clear that, that he's your helper and that he wants to reveal all truth to you and the Bible is truth and some of you have looked at, at studying the text of the Bible and it seems complicated to you and that's because some of it is like hidden from you because you're, you don't have the revelation you need through the Holy Spirit. And so, but I want you to know the Holy Spirit is, is a free gift that Jesus wants you to experience. And so if that's you today and you found yourself going, I, I don't, I'm not getting the word. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's an uphill battle. It's not supposed to be that. I, I, yes, yes, you need to dig and you need to study, but, but what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to come alongside you and he wants to help you. And he wants to take the word as you study it and he wants to go, hey, 
check this out. I get, I, I'm blown away all the time when I study scripture at the things as I've read it as many times as I have, and I'm not trying to be braggy, but as many times as I've read it, that God will just highlight something. And I'm like, I've never seen that before. I've read this so many times. I've never seen that before. There's so much in the word and the Holy Spirit wants you to get, he wants you to get it. He's not trying to make it difficult for you. He's really not. He wants you to get it, but you need his help. So if you've never received of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't have the helper fully immersed within your life, we'd love to pray with you on that. And then I'll throw this one in too. If you're here today and there's some, there's some garbage in your life. And I, last night as I was praying, I felt like God said, there's gonna be people this weekend and they made commitments at the end of 2023 that they've already failed in in 2024. Like here we are a few days in and you said, never gonna do that again. Never gonna look at that again. And here you are and you feel like a failure and you feel like there's no hope. And listen, outside of Jesus, outside of God, outside, there is no hope, but there is hope in Jesus and there is hope in the help of the Holy Spirit. And there is hope in, in the church and the body of Christ. There's hope in surrender. And for some of you, you need to lay down your pride. You need to surrender and you need to make a confession that, Hey, I can't stop drinking. Hey, I can't stop looking at porn. Hey, I can't stop lying. And I, I, I can't stop chasing after these guys over here thinking I'm, I'm sexy or whatever. Like I'm chasing after this garbage in the world. I know it's wrong and it's time for it to stop. If that's you, listen, God is calling to you today. He wants to help you. So if any of that stuff relates to you or there's something else that God's doing, there's a tug on your heart. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's tugging you and saying, hey, I've got something else for you. Let's, take, let's make an exchange. Exchange your brokenness for my healing. Exchange your sin for my righteousness. Let's make an exchange today, amen? Church, would you stand with me? We're gonna go back into this time of worship. And whether you're in this room or you're out there, listen, the altars are for everybody, okay? And so I wanna encourage you, if you feel like God is tugging on your heart and you feel like I need to go respond, I wanna encourage you to t start taking steps towards the altar today. Come, if any of that stuff relates to you, you need forgiveness, you need Jesus, you need to make him the Lord of your life, you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, you need to be being filled or you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or you need to confess a sin, you need to get rid of some garbage, start making your way towards the altars right now. Lord, I pray that you would draw all those who need prayer today to your altars to receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.